0: The Gospel of Matthew. It's Matthew 9 and it's going to be starting at verse 9. The verse reads And Jesus, passing on thence, saw a man sitting at a tax office called Matthew and says to him, Follow me. And he rose up and followed him. And it came to pass. As he lay at the at table in the house. In the house. Tax gatherers and sinners. Came and lay at table with Jesus. And his disciples. And the Pharisees seeing it. Said to his disciples. Why does your teacher. With tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus hearing it said they that are strong have not need of scission, but those who are real but go and learn what that is i will have mercy and not sacrifice for i have not come to call righteous men but sinners We're going to be looking at tonight, who Jesus calls. Who does Jesus save? We're also going to be looking at the company Jesus keeps. Who does Jesus surround himself with? I've got three points tonight. The first point is the call of Jesus. The second point is the company of Jesus. The third and final point is the confrontation of Jesus. So number one, the call. Number two, the the company. Number three, the confrontation. Three Cs, easy to remember. We've got this. Let's begin with the call, look at verse 9, it reads, And Jesus, passing on thence, saw a man at the tax office, called Matthew, and says, called Matthew, and says to him, follow me. And he rose up and followed him. At this point, Jesus has done many great things. He's healed the leper. He's made a paralyzed man get up and walk. He's calmed the storm with his still voice. He's healed various diseases. He's done many, many great things. And what he's doing in all of these situations is showing his authority as the son of man. Because as the son of man, he's the only one that can do these things. And when you begin to read this, you may sit there and think, well, actually, when we read these passages, Rick, it's not a great miracle. There's no miracle here described at all when you look at these passages. But the calling of Matthew is no more of a miracle than calming the storm. It's no more of a miracle than the leper being healed. It's no much more than anything. This miracle of Matthew being called is just as great as a miracle than the rest. How is it a miracle? Well, we've got to actually understand that in this text, when you look at actual Matthew's life, it's quite crazy matthew's a tax collector now if you're a tax collector back in those days you're the worst of the worst sinner tax collectors back in those days were considered the worst because they worked for the enemy they worked for the roman officers and the romans at that time had occupied the jewish land and Matthew betrayed his family, betrayed his friends to be a tax collector. His family would have shunned him. His friends wouldn't want nothing to do with him. He was an outcast to the fullest. I can't lie to you brothers and sisters, when it says that Matthew was a tax collector, he is, in that bracket of the worst sinners, the worst, they were hated, outcast. Boy, oh boy, how great is Jesus calling this person! Hmm. You know, when it says, Follow me, that's Jesus' call, Follow me. The greatest miracle is that Matthew got up and followed him. The simple call of Jesus, Matthew, follow me, is something quite significant, quite significant indeed. In Luke's gospel, I think it is, it says that Matthew left it all. That implies that he got up and left it all all behind he got up it wasn't that he got up and followed Jesus it wasn't a let's come along Jesus it wasn't a, a, a miracle in that sense the miracle was that he left it all behind that means that when Jesus calls he has the authority to tell you to get off of your seat and leave it all, it could be family, it could be friends. The call of Jesus demands your life, and as the hymn says, demands my life, my soul, my own." The call of Jesus could mean that you lose money. The offer of salvation is always free, always free but the cost could cost you your life. Is the voice of Jesus sweet in your ear? Do you enjoy listening to Jesus? Do you like the Saviour's call? Jesus is very welcoming, very welcoming, but there's a cost. Could even be family, that's a hard one. Losing family. Some people need to lose their family if they wanna follow Jesus. Some people are gonna go out to jungles in Africa. If that's what the cost of Jesus is called, are you gonna take it? The cost of Jesus is costly, Mm. but it's sweet, ever so sweet. I would give up my life to follow Jesus. When he calls, will you hear? When he calls, will you answer? When he calls, are you ready to give up what you know? Are you ready for the call of Jesus? Because when he calls and he speaks to your heart, It's so desirable that your heart won't won't give in. When he calls to your heart, you will accept. You might not know it, but you will accept the sweet call of Jesus. It sounds sweet in the ear. It tastes nice. The call of Jesus is one of the most fundamentally greatest things that life could ever offer. Take Matthew for example, all it was was a call. Look at the text, he calls, follow me, what does Matthew do? He just follows, it's as simple as that. When Jesus calls, you will follow. But see these things here, listen to the call. Use your ears, use your mind. The call of Jesus is the sweetest thing you'll ever know. The second thing that we can see from this passage is actually the company who Jesus keeps. Look at your text. Who, what is the company that Jesus te- keeps? He hangs around with Matthew's old lot, the old tax collectors and the sinners. He, wow, that's radical. Jesus hangs around with the least likeliest of people. He hangs around with the rottens, the scumbags, the druggies, the junkies. Do you know what, Brother Bernard? He hangs around with the people that you hanged around with. Mm -hmm. The people that the others don't want to hang around with. That's who Jesus hanged around with, Brother. Mm -hmm. That's who Jesus hanged around with. It's wonderful. The people that we look down upon, the people that we despise, are actually the very company that our Lord Jesus keeps. Now, if you look down at the text, one thing that's quite observable, that I think you can overlook quite simply, is quite simple. Do you know, Brother Adrian, the the feast, the banquet, do you not think when you read that text that Jesus hanging around with these people are the same people that we're gonna be within heaven, right? We're gonna be sharing the table with Jesus and we're all gonna be the sinners and the tax collectors because that's who we are in the story. And we're gonna be with Jesus. So that that great buffet, that great banquet, oh, I love a buffet, but that great banquet in heaven that's the company that Jesus keeps. Mm. The sinners. The unwanted. The people that people sorry, the people that that are there left, they're the same ones that Jesus wants to gather home. Mm. We're all in that boat, aren't we? We've got to be. We've got to be. The company. That Jesus keeps, what a beautiful savior! Listen, I sometimes think I'm a good person, but I'm nowhere near as good as Jesus. The company that Jesus keeps—they're the sort of people that I'm like. Oh, my God, I'll go the other way, mate. You know, you sort of swerve out of your way. You know, I'm gonna do my shopping. I'll swerve around there, and but that's the people that Jesus comes for. Mm. Comes for the, the people that you you don't realize it. I always say that when, when we get to heaven, you'll be surprised at who were there. Mm. We'll, be, we'll be very surprised. Can't believe you're there. Of course, you were wrong and you, you're a scumbag. <laughs> but they're the people that we'll see in heaven. Wonderful, yes that? wonderful. Because the love of Jesus is far much and above our love will ever be for people, much and above. I'm gonna have to move on to my next point now. I've actually completely forgotten all my notes, by the way, so I'm just going on. (laughs) I've, I've lost it, but the last thing that we need to speak tonight about is the Pharisees in this passage Please look down in in your Bibles, by the way. The Pharisees, uh, they try and confront Jesus. And uh, if you notice, they don't actually go towards Jesus, but they ask his disciples, why is Jesus keeping this company? We don't do that. By the way, the the Pharisees were the teacher of the laws. They were kind of the, the moral... Do uh, how can I put it the holier than thou holy joes of the time and they've got a great question which is why why is your uh, teacher why why is he uh, hanging around with them we don't do that hmm. reason why they ask is because they think they're a bit of a cut above everybody else we don't eat with sinners we don't we don't talk to them people that brings me to my last point. The confrontation of Jesus one of the greatest things about Jesus is that he confronts people he confronts them and Jesus puts people on their spot can't can't pull any tricks around Jesus can you can't sit there and hide from him can't sit there on your moral high ground with Jesus because he'll put you right in your spot, you little so-and-so. You need to be careful a little bit. But that's what Jesus does. The cross is a level field. Mm. And when you come to the cross, you're all the same. Mm. You're sinners. And you need to repent and trust in Jesus. That's the leveling play field. That, That... You can't go no further. You think you're moral, like the Pharisees. You think you're moral. You think because you give two pounds to charity here or there. You think because you've never done anything wrong in your life. You think because you've obeyed the law all your life. You think that's going to save you from the wrath to come. You're in big trouble if if you think that way. But that was the Pharisees' way of thinking. They thought, because they knew the law, because... They knew, they actually knew their that far, the Old Testament, they knew it very well. They thought because they knew that, they'd be safe. We all know them people, like me. There's always them people that think they know better than everybody else. We think there's, there's always them people that have done better. And I can't lie to you, brothers and sisters, there's a lot of people that have done great in this world. But there's only one that's ever been perfect. The problem with the Pharisees was they were self-righteous. And the problem with self-righteousness, it's a delusion of pride. Self-righteousness does this. I'm righteous, therefore I've done well in this world and I don't need nobody else. And if you think that way, You can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven thinking that you've done good, that you've done well, that you've been to church on a weekend, that you've given two pounds of charity. I've been a great person. When it comes to judgment day, you can't stand on your own self-righteousness you can't it's impossible and if you think that way then what's the point of jesus what is the actual point of jesus coming and dying for your sins if you're not a sinner what jesus says actually it's a bit ironic because he says to you that um, if you're healthy you don't need a doctor do you know that it's so ironic because we're all sick and we all need a doctor. Mm -hmm. If you want to stand on your own two feet and think you can go across this life on your own strength, the kingdom of heaven, and it regrets me to say this, but if you think you're good enough, heaven isn't for you. As I've said before, the people that Jesus calls and the company that he keeps are the people that you look in your Bible, this takes. I ask you always to keep your Bibles open as sinners and tax collectors. The Pharisees are the goody-two-shoes. It's not for them. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. But you've got to come to a certain point in your life, whether you've done the worst. If you've done the worst, great, jump on board. If you've done the best, then I think you you need to realize that your cut of righteousness, that self-righteousness you have, doesn't compare to Jesus' righteousness. The greatest thing about this passage is that jesus is the great physician he is the people in this passage who are the ones that are healthy and good they're the pharisees that's why they don't need a doctor that's why they don't want to see a doctor because they've got it all sorted the tax collectors and the sinners they're the unhealthy They're the ones that they know they need a doctor. Mm. They know that there's something going wrong in that soul of theirs. That's why they need a doctor. Mm. The doctor is Jesus himself, the great physician. Mm. Do you know what he wants to do to you? He wants to cut your ear open, do a little bit of heart surgery there. Mm. That's what he wants to do. Mm. He wants you to get up, repent he wants you to hear the call he wants you to know the company and he wants to welcome you in because that little story there of him being with the tax collectors and sinners that's the company that he keeps Mm. guys I've completely lost what I'm going on about but I hope and my pray is that I hope that you understand that we all need a doctor Mm. I'm not talking about checkups. I'm not talking about getting some antibiotics. I'm talking about a doctor of the soul. Mm. Jesus is the great physician in this passage. He is the greatest doctor that ever lived. Mm. He, don't, he won't give you antibiotics. If you're real, do go and see a doctor, by the way. But he wants to do more than that. He wants to solve life's greatest problem, mm. and that's sin. Something that the world was in each and every man. And that's what I said to you. The Pharisees were so blind, very, very blind. The reason why they, I'm sorry, you Richard, how you doing? But the reason why the Pharisees were so blind, their self-righteousness kind of deluded them into thinking they were good because they did know it all. They probably knew our Old Testament than the majority of us here tonight. They really did. Mm -hmm. But what they didn't know is that self-righteousness, it deluded with them with pride so much Mm -hmm. that they didn't know they needed the great physician. What a saviour Jesus is. I just end tonight by saying that I don't want you to sit and say a prayer and for you to be saved. I think you should consider your life and think about Jesus, the great physician of your soul. Mm-hmm. The world can offer much The world can offer so much. The world offers beautiful things. Does it last? Does it bring contentment? Mm -hmm. I would rather sacrifice my whole life for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Will you? Will you repent? Will you believe? Will you consider the beauties and the wonders of the glories of the gospel of Almighty Jesus? It's up to you. Can wallow in your sin and pity or you can trust in Jesus mm. the cost of Jesus will cost you nothing and what an irony that is what a life what a cost but the cost is there at the cross mm. amen, amen.